You are listening to Fearlessly Moving Forward, where we explore, understand, share, and navigate the difficult emotions associated with grief, sorrow, and loss. I am your host, Susie Ruth. Let's get started. You have disappeared. You have been released. You are flecks of light. You are missed. Hello and welcome. Today I'm speaking with Elizabeth Kennedy. Elizabeth is going to share her journey of grief and loss. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Tell me about your story. Okay. So um, I wanted to share my entire story from um, kind of the beginning. So um, my mom passed away from ALS and um, how she found out about it was kind of an awful story. So she was um, starting to experience that she could not use her right thumb. So she was unable to do simple things like click the top of a pen or turn the key in her ignition. And she went to multiple doctors and they all thought, well, it must be a pinched nerve or something like that in her neck, or perhaps she had carpal tunnel, something like that. But they, they couldn't really nail it down. So she was seeing specialist after specialist after specialist. And then she received a call from the Mayo Clinic saying, you've been referred by your primary care physician. Why don't you come up to be diagnosed? So she thought that was kind of odd. But since her um, primary care physician recommended it, she decided that that sounded like a good idea. So she went up to Mayo Clinic. They ran a week worth of tests on her trying to figure out what what was going wrong with her. Um, I kept in touch with her during that whole week, you know, how's it going? And she's like, there's so many tests. And my dad was there with her and he was saying, there's so many tests, we're exhausted. Um, I then found out at the, towards the end of the week, she got a diagnosis. Um, I don't know, I didn't, at that time, I did not know what the diagnosis was because she called me in a panic and said, I'm coming to see you tomorrow. So um, in my mind, my mind started going crazy. I started thinking what I thought was the worst. What I thought was the worst was that she had a brain tumor. I thought for sure there must be, she must have a brain tumor. It must be like impinging a nerve. And that's the problem. And, you know, we don't have very much time was what I thought. So I sat with that for about 24 hours until I saw her the next day. So she knocked on the door. I answered the door very emotional. I still don't know what's going on. Um, and she proceeds to just blurt out, I have ALS. And I say to myself, oh my God, thank God. Thank God was my, was my emotional reaction because I didn't know what ALS was. I, I, I'd heard about it. I'd, I'd heard about like the ice bucket challenge. And because I'd heard about the ice bucket challenge and they had raised all of this money, then something like there must be a cure, like something, something. Um, I was like, it has to be better than a brain tumor that could kill her eminently. So I, I felt relieved initially until she sat me down and she explained what ALS is. Mm. And basically what ALS is, is it affects all of the nerves in your body. And it, it basically takes away all of the function, muscle function in your body. So for her, it had started with her finger. Um, 
What happened after her finger was it progressed up her right arm and it took the use of her right arm. So she was not able to move her right arm or use her right arm at all. Um, She then paused because with ALS, you can actually pause, which is really great. You get really hopeful and you think, well, maybe she'll just stay this way forever and she'll just have, you know, just no use of her right arm, but everything else will maybe be okay. Um, But that didn't happen. Um, after that, after her right arm, um, the disease just slowly started taking over the rest of her body kind of all at once. So it took the use of her legs next. So she ended up in in a wheelchair. Um, after that, it took the use of her, her left arm. So at, at that point, after it completed with her left arm, she couldn't move her arms or her legs. And then it also started to take away, um, her availability to, swallow and to speak so she um she had to have a feeding tube put in in order to stay alive and she um was was speaking her her speaking became less and less um legible like I, I really wasn't able to understand her I mean I remember distinctly things would come through where I would say oh I think like this was the last time I'm ever going to be able to have a glass of wine with my mom. Or this is this is probably going to be the last time I'm actually going to be able to have a phone conversation with her because I can't understand her anymore. And so it it felt like it it went off it was a slow start and then as it progressed it felt like it just got really really quick. Um after she she pretty much lost everything. She was still alive for a couple of months. So she could not move unless she was assisted by someone. Um, She could not communicate with us with the exception of really being able to move her her eyes. Um, So she was speaking to us through like an eye gaze computer. Um, Yeah. Anyways, she after all of this, um, she passed just shortly, um, about two years after diagnosis. Not even, not even. So it was about two years, which is actually pretty fast for ALS. ALS typically gives you about three to five years. The reason that I share my story and how horrible the disease is and how awful the progression is, is because of that, that initial visit that she had with me where she told me she had the disease and when I felt that glimmer of hope that glimmer of hope is what I want people to feel in the future when someone says they've been diagnosed with ALS because I know that what happened for me after that was all of my hope was taken away I knew that it was a terminal condition and that she wasn't going to recover and there was very little hope of a cure there was very little hope of like even extending her life at all. And so I don't want anybody else to feel what I felt once I realized what ALS was. So that's why. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so since then, let's see. So she, let's see. So she passed December of 2021. (laughs) 
December, <laughs> all, all the year drawn together. December 2021 was okay. when she passed. And so it's now been about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm finally at a place where I can talk about it without just being a complete puddle of emotions. What what I've done is to try to make things better for people who were in my situation, her situation, our entire family's situation. So I I immediately reached out to an organization that that helped us. Um, there was an organization in Chicago called the Les Turner ALS Foundation, and they work closely with um, Northwestern Hospital, and they have a a clinic where they run special trials, um, drug trials to see if new drugs might be able to help with ALS. Um, in fact, my mom was in one of those trials. Unfortunately, her drug did not do very well, but at least she she felt good about contributing to science. And they also helped us every step of the way with, they had social service workers who actually made house calls and came to visit us to make sure we were doing okay. She had constant check-ins from her nurse. It was just like a really loving, supporting community that also helped us anytime we had to bring in new technology, like the eye gaze machine that I mentioned, things like that. You have to, all these things you had to like learn that you didn't know how to use before. I didn't know how to use a feeding tube. I don't think people know how to use a feeding tube. Someone had to teach us. So this organization was there every step of the way. So I reached out to them and I said, okay, I think I can, I think I can talk about things now. Like I think I, think I can and um they said well what do you want to do no (laughs) I don't know what I want to do I just want to help people yeah so they they mentioned to me that they had a a a support uh a support team committee support team committee which basically works with the organization and gives them feedback as to how their support services were and so basically what I do with them is I go to board meetings and they share what they're thinking of doing or maybe some ideas that they have about how they can help people who are living with ALS or family members who are affected with it. And then I give feedback based on my experience. And so there, there's a group of us now that do that. So that's like one little thing that I'm doing because I feel like the more that I can help the organization that helped us, the better I'll feel. A different way to cope I think mm-hmm. it just took a while to figure it out yeah. yeah yeah wow thank you so much for sharing yeah sure that's a lot to take in yeah it's a it's, it's quite a story it is yeah so so you had another um, organization that you also wanted to talk about yeah so but with the Les Turner organization, I felt good about giving back just in that form, right? Being able to be there and kind of uh, steer them uh, to where I felt like I needed help or where my mom needed help as she was going through everything. But I also felt like there were more things that I wanted to do that um, the Les Turner organization did not have. So I found actually a, a, a rather new organization, and they were formed in 2017 by a guy who had been diagnosed um, with ALS. And he used to actually work in the Obama White House. And he knew politics, right? He knew like how to get funding, how to get bills passed, how to get, you know, support. So I looked into this organization and realized that they have a, a legislative team. 
So I'm now on their legislative team. And so basically what we do is we fight for funding for ALS and other neuromuscular diseases to get funding for um, research, um, funding for those types of products, those things that we needed for my mom to, for other people who are suffering from ALS. Mm -hmm. So I'm on that team as well. And then I haven't started this yet. I joined a, I start training next week for their peer to peer program. And so basically what their peer to peer program does is they partner, they would partner me with someone who's gone through what I have gone through. So more than likely I will get partnered with another family member of someone who has ALS. Mm -hmm. And that felt very important to me because ALS is such a unique disease. It it was like when I talked about the disease with my mom, I didn't want to have to explain it to everybody about like, this is happening because of this. And this is happening because of this. I wanted somebody who knew and understood the disease that I didn't have to continually explain the disease and continually say, it's, it's not going to get better, but you can hope and pray all you want. It's not going to get better. That's not what happens. That's not realistic. And so to have somebody who understands that it's not going to get better and who's not going to try to bring positivity <laughs> into the situation, I think is crucial because I, in the form that the disease is right now, there's, there's really not a silver lining. Right. What do you think has helped you the most through this? That's it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> to because I find that there are just nuggets of wisdom that come out of people at specific times. I don't think there's been like a specific instance where I've said, oh, wow, like that really has helped me so much. But it's been little things. Like I remember after my mom passed and I felt emotionally numb. Like I did not have feelings. Like I didn't have feelings like at all. I could not feel anything. And so I started to get concerned, like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> what's happening to me? Why can't I feel anything? And I would try to force myself to feel it and I couldn't, right? And I remember somebody telling me, you know, first of all, this is this is normal. But second of all, even if it wasn't normal, that's okay because there is nor there is no normal process. And so whatever you're feeling and whatever you're going through even if it's not normal or it is normal, is still normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Totally. That totally sounds normal. Yeah. <laughs> normal. So everything was normal, but I think just knowing that I was normal was helpful. And then I feel like also for me reaching out and knowing that I could give back and help others who are in my situation in multiple different ways I feel has really helped me. And I think that's actually what has given me the strength to be able to talk about it. Because before I think I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't, I'd try. No. <laughs> do you still, do you still feel that numbness? Sometimes it's not as, it's not as common. I mean, when she first passed, the numbness was just kind of overwhelming. Like I felt I felt it all the time. And now I just feel it every once in a while. And, you know, you tell yourself, I should be feeling this right now, but I don't. <laughs> and you have to just remind yourself that 
it's normal. It is normal. But yeah, occasionally I do still still feel numb. Sometimes I even still feel like it didn't happen. You know, it was like a year and a half ago. And sometimes I'm like, no, it didn't happen. Yeah, surreal. It's still it's still surreal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any advice for someone who's grieving, not necessarily from ALS, but just grief? I have something to say. (laughs) It's not for everybody. Something that I didn't know that I think comes in helpful for diagnoses specifically like this one that are progressive diseases is that anticipatory grief is real. I found a lot of people would say to me like, you know, just cherish the moments that you have right now. And I did not find that helpful at all. That doesn't help. <laughs> like, of course you're going to treasure. Like, first of all, of course you're going to treasure every single moment that you have. But there's always this impending, like, you know what's going to happen. And that anticipatory grief is sometimes almost worse than the actual grief. I could see that actually. Yeah. And it's so interesting how people say things that are, I think it makes them feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it really helps grieving people feel better. I don't think there's anything you can say to somebody who's grieving to make it better. No, you you can't actually. I, I would agree with that a hundred percent. You know, people try their best and they're trying to be supportive, but there's definitely like nothing that they can say except for, you know, I love you and I care about you, but that's, that's it. And everybody's grief story is different. So it's not like I could even tell somebody who's going through something almost exactly as what I'm going through. It's not like I could say to them, I know how you feel because I don't. Nobody, nobody does. Nobody. Talk to me about time because so often people think it's going to get better with time. Yes. So that is something that I heard a lot too. Like, you know, once you get to the year mark, it's going to get a lot better. You'll feel better after blah, 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 you know, fill in the blank with what blah, blah, blah is. Um, I don't think that's true. Um, Because for me, what I've noticed is there's something new that's come into play. And that is the more time that passes, the further I am away from when she was alive. So. The place where I am now with time makes me feel even more melancholy because I realized like the last time we went shopping together was longer ago than it was yesterday. And there's a constant worry about, am I going to forget things about her? You know, am I, am I going to forget how she would react to a certain situation? Am I going to forget how her clothes smelled. Like, am I going to forget what she would say in this particular circumstance? Am I going to forget how she would react to this ridiculous TV show? You know, and that wasn't something that I anticipated. I, I too thought it would get easier as time passed, but I've found myself in this unusual place where I almost wish that I was closer to her time of death because it would mean I was closer to her and I would have more vivid memories. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. My advice to people is that we can't make it better. Time doesn't make it better. 
And that grief is something that we carry with us now. It's a thing that we have. Yeah. And there's a way that I, I like to say that we kind of want it there because that is the evidence that we've loved this person. Right. So your grief is holding that love for your mom that you've had. Do you agree with that? I do. And I think um, it also becomes, it becomes part of your identity. It really does. Like it really, it makes you who you are. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate this so much. I hope it helps people. I do too. So thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like more information, please go to www.suzyruth.com. You can find me at Suzy Ruth Chicago on Instagram. If you're struggling with grief or loss or anything else, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. disappeared you have been released you are flecks of light you are missed somewhere spinning round the sun circling the moon traveling through time you are missed